As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Late night Midnight on the interstate And I didn't feel so great Until I saw the city Welcome back to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. A really good show for you today. Very happy to be joined by Billy Guerin, the Wild General Manager, another returning champion. Uh, This has got to be the fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh or eighth time uh, Billy's uh, uh, joined me. He's kind of like my rainy day guest, but I thought this would be a good time to talk. Beginning of the hockey season. Obviously, the Wild off to a 2 and one start. A couple really exciting come-from-behind victories in L.A. Uh, rallied back from two goals down, uh, two games in a row to win in overtime. Kirill Kaprizov, what a start to his NHL career. His first game, three points, and became the, first, uh, the third player in NHL history to score an overtime winner in his NHL debut. And how does he uh, follow it up in his encore game? Another 4-3 victory two nights later. He becomes the first player in NHL history to be, uh, to be let's see, get a point in each of his first two games in overtime, if that makes sense. So game-winning goal one night, assisting on the game-winning goal in overtime the next night. So we t- uh, talk a lot about Kaprizov with uh, Billy Guerin. Um, but look, it's been an interesting start to the wild uh, season. As we see, they they sort of still lack that one or arguably two center. Um, their power play is off to an 0-16 start. Um, Parisi and Fiala have no points, yet there have been positives too. Kaprizov, um, we've watched Cam Talbot look absolutely awesome last night against the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, so those are the type of things. We've seen an unveiling of uh, Jared Spurgeon with the captaincy. So those are sort of the headlines of the first week of the wild season. They play the Anaheim Ducks again on Wednesday in this uh, little fun baseball style type series that maybe we'll see in the future in the NHL. Then they're going to come home for six straight games against the San Jose Sharks, Los Angeles Kings, and Colorado Avalanche starting Friday, the return of Devin Dubnik, who actually texted me during this uh, show. So we'll be doing a story on Dubnik for uh, the home opener and uh, Ryan Donato also coming back uh, here. But this podcast with Billy, really inform- informative. We talk about their uh, his pursuit of eventually getting a center. We talk about the power play. I asked him about Marco Rossi. He's in a position where he can't answer a lot as they continue to try to get uh, more information on uh, Rossi's situation. Um, but uh, if you read between between the lines with Billy, uh, we're not going to see Marco Rossi anytime soon. We talk about the really cool thing of a once New York Islander captain going to Jared Spurgeon's house and presenting the captaincy of the Minnesota Wild to Jared Spurgeon and his wife, Danny, and how uh, Danny, the uh, first new first lady of the Wild, how this is sort of a team effort. 
with the Spurgeons uh, running the show behind the scenes of the Minnesota Wild. Uh, let's see, what else do we talk about? We talk about um, the Penguins' first rounder and whether or not he's rooting for the Penguins to lose to try to get a lottery pick. Uh, we're talking about uh, contract negotiations with Kaprizov and Fiala this unique season, and we even talk about food and weight loss at the end of the show, two of my favorite subjects. So without further ado, here is Wild General Manager Billy Guerin. Billy Guerin, happy to be uh, happy that you're joining us out from Southern California. I'm looking outside. I got a neighbor right in front of me shoveling snow as it's coming down. You've got to feel a little guilty, Billy. I, I do not. I don't <laughs> feel guilty, Mike. Not at all. Um, <laughs> it, but you know what? It, it is amazing. I, I, I've grown to, uh, uh, you know, embrace the cold, embrace the Minnesota winters and I look out my window at home and I constantly see people walking by, uh, walking, biking, you know, nothing, nothing stops them. And I, I find myself now it's actually great. I take my dogs for, uh, for walks on Lake Minnetonka. And, um, I just think it's the coolest thing. You're walking by all the, you know, people ice fishing and cross country skiing and stuff. It's awesome. But I don't feel guilty about being down here. No, <laughs> uh, you know it's funny. Usually, when I'm out in California with the team, I'll just take pictures of the palm trees and the beach and send it back to Minnesota in the winter. So now I know what people feel like uh, when I do that. Um, don't you feel like you know after growing up in in Massachusetts that, that Minnesota weather does get a bad rap? Like it's not like we ever get really like nor'easters and all that type of stuff. Yeah, totally. And and I mean, I I guess like. The, the only thing that, that, that if you're going to complain about something is when it gets like severely cold, like the, I, I, I mean, I love the snow. Like, I, I mean, we, we were so happy to have a white Christmas this year. It was awesome. The lakes being frozen. I mean, that, that is just like, it's just throwback stuff. Like you just love it. Like it, it I mean, everybody's out, you know, playing hockey or ice fishing. It, it totally get And you know what too? It's sunny. Yeah. You know, there, there, I, I, it doesn't matter how cold it gets or how much snow there is. If there's sun, you're, you're, you're good. And, and I find, uh, I find that we get, uh, enough sunlight to, you know, to, uh, to avoid the depression. Yep. No doubt about that. Uh, it, it is, uh, it's, 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 I always find it like fascinating is to me, like the only time I get like, Frustrated is like in March when you realize you have it like another month. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. you're you're all just like, all right, it's ready now, and it's just like, yeah. right. like well, there was, was one plant. It was kind of funny, like a couple weeks ago when when the governor said, "Well, you can eat outside now," and it was like, <laughs> "Oh, great!" It's uh, you know, it's December in in Minnesota. Thanks a lot. But you know what? <laughs> when you're driving around, there are people eating outside, and they're yeah. they're they were having drinks outside. It was. It was pretty funny to see. I don't know if they were, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, sending a message, but it was, um, <laughs> but it, 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 people just don't shy away from it. And I, I, I admire that. I love it. Yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, it was mid April and the Winnipeg Jets were coming down here for a playoff game and actually had to turn around. That's how late uh, we got a snowstorm. So hopefully that yeah. will well, happen this happen. year. Um, well, hey, Billy, uh, you know, you guys are two and one on the season. Uh, a couple of really exciting come from behind wins in Los Angeles, uh, down two goals in the third period. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov, uh, quite the integration into the NHL. Um, last night could have been a totally different game if you guys score in the first period. Uh, you know, Victor Rask has the one incredible play uh, uh, set up by Kaprizov and Parisi and just um, I think the puck was deflected wide. The fourth line had a ton of chances. Who knows what it would happen if if Fiala on that breakaways call uh, gets draws that penalty, um, y- you know, you could very easily be three and zero. but, but last night, just sitting through that, it w- was it aggravating to watch the power play not come through? You know what? And I, I don't want to put it all on the power play because I, I think the, there's two things about the power play. You want it to score, obviously. Um, but if you don't score, you don't want it to be, a momentum killer. And I don't think it has been yet. I, mm-hmm. because I think we've generated chances. We're just a little bit off on, on finishing, but I think, um, I think execution has been there. I think entry, you know, our entries have been there. Our puck retrievals have been there and, and our scoring opportunities. So I think it's a matter of time before, before uh, things start to click or, or start to, we, we start to get rewarded for that. Um, actually in, in last night, I, I thought of, of the three games that we've played this year, 
last night was the best. Um, we just didn't get rewarded. And, um, you know, that, that happens sometimes. I mean, John Gibson's a, a hell of a goalie. Uh, he played great and their team played well. It was a good hockey game and we could have won. Um, but we, we can't, you know, we, we have to, we have to take the good out of, uh, out of that game because there was, there was so much. Why do you think the entries have been so much better on the power play? Is it stuff that Dean has thrown on? Because I know that that seems to be the big part of your game that there's been a lot of tinkering compared to last year. Yeah, well, I think to, I think it's it's simple. Uh, you know, they're 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 being given their 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 assignments and they practice, and the players are, are focused and they're 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 executing and. Um, you know, when, when you practice, uh, power play entries and things like that, you, you, it's amazing how much better you get at them. And, uh, you know, we, we, we've been practicing that quite a bit. And, um, you know, like, like I said, hopefully the guys will start getting rewarded because they, they've, they've done a good job. Last night was an example. I think where, where Kaprizov was, was trying to force probably a lot of things to Fiala. Do, do you think that was... You know, is that a young guy? Is that a set play to try to set up Fiala there, or is that a young guy maybe you know trying to be respectful of somebody who's trying to get off the Schneid three games in? Yeah, I, I, I think they, you know, when you're at ice level, you see, you see it differently. You know, when we're watching from up above, you're like, oh, don't make that play, don't make that. But it, on the ice level, it looks like it's there, and you've made that play before, so you try to make it. Um, and then sometimes, you know, the other team actually will make a good play. It's, it's amazing how that happens, but, um, they're trying <laughs> to win too. Um, and I, I, I do think, uh, you know, Kirill was probably trying to help Kevin out and, and get him going a little bit. Um, you know, it's, it's three games now and, and he doesn't have a point, but, um, you know, I, I think, I, I think in the end, he, he's, we just have to make the plays that are available and, and, you know, do what we have to do. And I, I think that'll happen. What have you, uh, Billy learned already about Kirill Kaprizov as, as a player, as a person, you know, it's, it's just bizarre sort of in this day and age as a beat writer, you don't really, you know, all, all our only existence with this player is via zoom. He seems like an engaging, infectious uh, type of personality. What's he like behind the scenes when, when he's with his teammates, when he's with management, when he's, when he's with coaching coaches? Uh, well, I, I mean, I can only tell you what I see. Um, you know, I'm not behind the scenes with the players, but to me, it seems like he is a popular guy already. Um, even with the limited English, um, great personality that, that, that draws people to him. Um, but the thing that I've learned uh, most, uh, I guess about him is that, um, he's the type of player that we want here and that he's highly, highly competitive and he's got great character. Um, he has not shied away from any of the physical play. Um, his competitive, uh, his competitive level is uh, extremely high when he goes for loose pucks and 50, 50 battles and things like that. He, he just doesn't shy away. So, um, you know, a good guy, a very good player with great character. And, and, you know, we, we couldn't have asked for a better start for him. That first shift of the game by him yesterday almost epitomized exactly what you said, Billy. I mean, he won on three in the corner, uh, and the, Shattenkirk gets the puck. He mu- muscles him off to get to Parisi, who then fed Rask. But but that's what I, I've noticed, too, about, about Kaprizov. We all see his skill and all that type of talent, the type of things that he's done in overtime and three-on-three for you guys. But, but man, his compete level, his work ethic, his uh, willingness to stay late, also yeah. go on the ice early. Um, yeah, it's I mean, that, special and shows you how much he wants to be the best. The, and that w- when you have the skill level that he does and then you do these things, it, it really makes a difference. It, it, it can it take it can take a g- good player and make him great. It can take a great player and make him, you know, uh, a legend. And um, Kirill's putting the time in. And, you know, as our you know, a lot of our guys are doing that. You know, it, it's. Um, something's changed here and there's just a lot of extra work being done, um, you know, by the coaching staff, by the players individually. Um, it's, it's really nice to see. After a game like last night, do you, do you meet with the coaches? How do how do you, or do you leave everything to them to essentially break down a game and, and, and all that type of stuff? 
You know what? I, I go in briefly after the game um, just to touch base with them. Uh, you know, win, lose, or draw. You know, I, I, I'd like to remain consistent and not just go in when <laughs> when we're all in a good mood, even though I'd probably rather that. But, um, no, and, and, and last night, you know, I, I go in the lock. I go in the coach's room and, you know, we're, 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 we're talking about the game briefly and just kind of in, in general. And uh, I just, I, I, I said to them, you know, first of all, great job. I, and to a man, I, I'm, I'm happy with, with everybody. Like we, we played well enough to win that game. It was a good hockey game, but there, there were no complaints. Uh, everybody played hard. Everybody played well. We just, we just didn't score the goal that we needed to score. Um, and then we move on. Mm-hmm. You know the co- the coaches have a much later night. Like I know, like Dino went back and looked at video. They they met this morning at ten. Um, they were going through a bunch of things. So uh, you know, I, I have other responsibilities, but uh, hovering over the coaches isn't one of them. Right, right. Um, it's it's working the phones like doing podcasts. Uh, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have to clear my um, schedule for you. Yeah, exactly. Which we always appreciate here. It's it, it is it's amazing. Like one of the first podcasts I did was uh, it was you and I at the Bell Center. Feels like five years ago. God, it feels uh, like just sitting years in the stands no talking hockey. Yeah, uh, that's what I miss is just sitting in the stands yeah. in an actual seat and listening to pucks go around. It just it's some stuff that we. It, it's amazing the stuff you start to miss when you're not around the team. Uh, luckily, I'm going on the Denver trip in a couple of weeks, so I'll get to do that, and yeah. you'll be coming home from this road trip. Um, the power play opening night was so good, and then the coaches did sort of change things up. I think in a lot of reasons because um, the the number one unit with Parisi taking draws, it, it almost felt like they were starting in their own zone because uh, he'd lose a draw and then they'd have to go chase it down. Um, do, do you think that you know there's a chance that we'll go back to, and see that type of unit again, just to maybe get back to the type of unit that was that was buzzing the opening night? Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there, there's a chance you could see it. And, um, you know, I, I think the, the one great thing about our, our coaching staff is that they are, um, they're, they're a humble group of guys that are open, open-minded and, um, willing to admit when something's not working and, and, and take suggestions from, from each other, from me. Um, you know, from, from Matt or Chris or, or whoever, uh, they're just very open-minded. And I think that, that, that just makes, makes things easier because you're, you're willing to try different things. So I think really anything's possible. Right. And, uh, Matt is Matt sells the wilds, uh, chief analytics, uh, man, uh, director of hockey analytics. I believe that's his title, right? Billy. And then Chris O'Hearn's the director yeah. of hockey operations. Um, the right, uh, right. last night, the one wrinkle that we did see that I that I don't know if I've seen is is three defensemen on the second unit, uh, at least in the first period. That that was changed. I mean, was that a way to try to get Dumba pretty much shooting away? On that, yeah, on that unit? yeah, I, I think it was just you know what, just to try to try to get get him, uh, you know, to be the trigger man, and uh, that's one. I don't know if we'll go back to that, but <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, you know what, the, we, we have to have Matt shooting the puck and, you know, he, he's got an elite weapon there and, um, you know, the more he, the more he's, uh, able, able to get shots on net, uh, the better off we'll be and the more opportunities to score we'll have. I have a bunch of Twitter questions for you. Um, I did want to ask you your first three games here. Um, you know, what are the, the biggest things that you've learned about your team, both, both stuff that you're happy about and stuff that just needs to get better? Well, uh, honestly, I think that we've uh, that we've come a long way from from last year in in our resiliency. I, I think um, you know, even when a game's close, we're we're comfortable playing in it, and um, you know, I, I I think that these guys genuinely are enjoying uh, the changes and playing together, and and uh, uh, they're they're having fun with it. So I, I'm, I'm their, their attitude's been great. And I, I, I think it's awesome. What was the second part of that question? Uh, just uh, then the, the stuff that, that you haven't exactly liked or that, that must improve. Uh, for me, 
you know what? Uh, it's not that I don't like it. Uh, things the things that we can improve on are are our net front play. Um, we mm. we need to we need to create better screens in front of the goalies at at, at certain times. Um, I think our puck placement on on dumps uh, can be better and keeping it away from the opposition's goalie. Um, but for you know, and and then just you know, uh, hopefully we can cash in on the power play soon. Um, but those are all fixable things, and the biggest thing is that the the guys are playing extremely hard, and they're they're they bought into Dean's system, uh, systematic scheme, and all the other things are are, are positive. So, uh, I think we're in a good spot. I want to ask you about uh, just to go back uh, in a little bit and talk about you going with Dean Evison to Jared Spurgeon's house about the captaincy. Um, want to ask you a bunch of questions also about uh, about goaltending and things like that. Um, but but center play is one area that I think is probably going to be a topic of you know all year long. Uh, how do you feel first of all that this team sustainable? sustainably can can win with the centers that you currently have or is this an area that you might have to address uh in season this year no i i think we can i i think it's a matter of finding the right combinations i mean i i think uh nick bukestad last night played on the you know the the line with nico sturm and and uh, ryan hartman and i thought they did a very good job i thought nick looked more comfortable there I think when he was up with Zach and Kirill, that maybe he felt more pressure to um, like make plays. And when you do that, your your feet stop. And I think it's going to help him and just be in that role and just just skate, you know, just get moving. So I thought that was a a bonus. I, I think you know Benino did did a good job on his line. I I, I think we're okay. Um, I I really do. I think if there's an opportunity to make our team better. Like I said, at any position, uh, we'll do it, and and that you know that includes center. How, how difficult has it been to make trades? Uh, you know, since really the off season began. I mean, obviously you made a a number of ones early, but now that the rules are more firmly in place, the way that it affects the cap, uh, quarantine rules. I mean, we're, we just saw who was it uh, yesterday that was oh Aaron Dell claimed off waivers, but he's now got a quarantine for seven days. Um, how much do, do you know wrapping your head around taxi squad rules? How how much has that almost quieted a lot of the trade talk out there as as sort of GMs and and their lieutenants really grasp how to heck to run a team in the middle of this uh, very very I, bizarre I think, season? I think quite a bit. I mean, you you have to really weigh that. Like, if you're going to make a deal, especially across the border, like you know, the Canadian team is going to be without that player for you know, uh, for quite some time and that, that could impact your whole season. So you have to, it's really delicate. Um, you know, there, I guess there, there, there's some limited chatter out there, but you know, not much, but, um, you know, it's just, it, you just have to, you know, kind of tiptoe around it and, and make sure that you're, that you're, you're thinking about every possible, uh, uh, you know, outcome to, to making a deal or, or, you know, every possible situation that, that could arise because of, you know, this new world that we're living in. Um, getting back to the center conversation, do you, do you think that, you know, we've seen Rask um, at number one center. We saw a little bit of Johansson at number one center at the end of the second L.A. game. Um, the, the one line that's been really good for you guys that I understand why Dean doesn't want to, you know, tinker with is that Felino Greenway and uh, Erickson Eck line. Is there a chance that maybe we see Erickson Eck get a, get a chance up, uh, up there, or would that be maybe creating another problem? Yeah, it, it could be creating another problem. I mean, and as a player, Mike, the, the last thing, if you're having, if you have a good line and you're having success, like the last thing you want to do is have your line changed like mm -hmm. even even if it's like you know uh, the so-called first line or whatever like you just want to you, you want to have success and if you're comfortable playing with those guys that's that's what you want to do so um I, i'm sure dino's thinking about every possible way to kind of you know create more scoring and um but but that line has been every, any time they're together they they are a positive impact on our team and it's it's tough to uh, it's tough to want to break them up, right? 
Uh, let me ask you, as I mentioned, I got a ton of Twitter questions. About 50 of them were regarding one player, one player that hasn't played for you yet, and that is uh, Marco Rossi. I mean, as you can imagine, Billy, there was a lot of excitement when he was coming from the World Juniors and after you guys signed him in, in uh, late October. Um, what is the latest with his situation? Oh, Marco's out with an upper body injury right now, and we're not – I just – I really can't get into, uh, you know, everything that's that's – going on with him um you know long term he's gonna he's okay and you know what he's uh he's actually staying with thomas vanek right now which is which has been (laughs) great i mean thomas is i I don't really know him i spoke to him on the phone once and seems like a super guy and that's all i hear is how how good of a guy he is so we're we're extremely uh, grateful for him and his family uh taking marco in and um you know that, that it's a it's been a blessing um, because I, I, I'd be a wreck if it was my, you know, 18 year old child, uh, across, across the ocean, uh, you know, uh, you know, out and dealing with certain things. So, right. um, how, how is Marco, Marco he'll be good. He'll, yeah. He's, he's, how, he's been great. He's been great. Yeah. He's fine. He's fine mentally. I mean, that's, that to me is well, like, he was so excited to come here. That's gotta be the toughest thing when you're, you got something out of your control. He's an extremely mature kid. And yeah, he's, he's just taking everything in stride and, uh, you know, um, like a real pro and, um, you know, yeah, we're, we're, we're disappointed, but you know, we're, we're, you know, we're doing the right things and we're anxious to get him back. Uh, but, uh, you know, all in due time. Do you, do you think that, um, whatever he's dealing with, that this is the type of thing that will, um, you know, maybe give you second thought to even play in this season? Because obviously this was a weird year to begin with. And I know that you probably weren't thrilled about having to burn the first year of his deal regardless. Do you think that this might even give you a pause to just say, you know what, let's get him healthy, maybe keep him here just to, you know, be here around the team, but, but not, but not actually play him. Yeah. You know what? I, I, to be honest with you, the, the main thing the, with all the players is their health and, mm-hmm. and that we, that we take care of them as, as best we can. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's the main thing. I, I haven't even thought about, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, burning ear, not burning ear that, that hasn't mm-hmm. even crossed my mind. The, the, the most important thing is, is, uh, is the human being Marco Rossi and, and his health. Right. I uh, wanted to ask you about goaltending. Cam Talbot's gotten off to a really good start. And, you know, it's funny. He said that he made it seem like uh, games one and two, he wasn't exactly in love with the way that he played, but he, he felt like he just needs to more time to play behind these guys. And we saw last night a much more dialed in goaltender. Um, I wanted to ask you about Kakinen, though. How How hard is it to even spot him into a game right now when you have you know, such little practice time and there's not a lot of back-to-backs to start the season. Does it make it difficult when you also want to give Calum Talbot a string of games to get him feeling comfortable? How hard is that? Yeah, I think Cam's been great. I think he, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's calm in the net. He, um, you know, he makes smart decisions when playing the puck. He, uh, I think he really gives the guys confidence. Um you know, and, and he's, he was, he was spectacular last night. Like he, he was great. And, um, you know, as for, as for Capo, like, well, I think it's just a matter of us getting him in, you know, what, mm-hmm. making the decision like, Hey, let's, let's, uh, let, let's just do this because it's the right thing. And Cam's going to need some rest and he can't play every single game, even though you want to play him every single game, but no, we, we need, we need Capo to, to get the opportunity to, uh, to, to show us what he can do and, and, uh, and help our team. Uh, before I get to uh, Twitter questions, uh, Billy, I did want to ask you also about uh, Kaprizov and Fiala, both uh, entering or in their last year of their contracts. How do you, um, as a, as a GM, how, how do you project uh, both these guys out? Not, not to make you put you in a position where you got to uh, negotiate a contract on the podcast, but, but that's got to be one of the, the toughest parts of a GM is trying to figure out this off season. All right. How long do we go with these guys? You know, with Kaprizov, you have, you only own his rights for three years. So, you know, you really might have to make a long-term decision this summer, even if he maybe doesn't have the pedigree yet of exactly what he's going to be. How, how do you go about that internally with the, org- uh, with uh, your staff? Yeah. I mean, I, I, 
we, we have to look at kind of like the history of players like this and, and get all the data and, and see what, you know, historically players like this have signed for. And um, then we, you know, you have to take into account what, what he's done in his, in his kind of platform season and, and see where you want to fit him in your, your payroll structure. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot to go in it. Chris, uh, Chris O'Hearn helps, helps me out and does the, uh, the lion's share of the work on, on that and, um, kind of gets everything, you know, arranged and, and, and we'll come up with something, but it definitely takes a good amount of planning. I mean, we've already got things kind of penciled in on where we think it will be. Um, (laughs) because that's, you know, you have depth charts and you have to, you have to look, you know, one, two, three years into the future where you're going to be and, and plan accordingly. So it's, it's, um, you know, it's not just done last minute, but, uh, you know, we gotta, we gotta kind of assume some things too, and, and, you know, prepare that way. Is it safe to say on Kaprizov that you will want to go long-term just because it almost feels like a bridge deal doesn't really work when a guy could become UFA in three years? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, by the way, by the way things look right now, then yes. Um, but, (laughs) but you know what, Hey, look, it it all depends too. Like, you know, for, for some reason we've, we've turned these bridge deals into monster deals and, um, you know, we, we, we have certain rights as a club and, um, we're going to use them. And, uh, you know what, when, when players hit, you know, unrestricted free agency, they use that to their advantage. And when we have certain rights and the rules are in our favor, we will use them to our advantage. And that's, that's, they, that's the way it is. I can't believe I'm saying that being on this side now, because yeah, I know my my history as a player, but, uh, after two, after two holdouts and, oh, the devils and the Oilers (laughs) after two holdouts and then, you know, free agent stuff. So, but, no, hey, look, uh, I went through two two tough contract situations with Lou Lamarillo and then Glenn Sather, and um, you know they they used their their rights and the tools of the CBA to uh, you know to their advantage, and I don't blame them. That was the right thing for them to do, and and that's that's what we're gonna do. All right, you you got to tell me what it's like to have a contract dispute with Lou Lamarillo. I mean, that cannot. <laughs> I'm like, were you were you scared to turn on your car or what? I mean, no, no, no. He, you know <laughs> what, Lou? In that situation, he's just very matter of fact, and and you know what, he was always always very professional. Always never, you know, he doesn't raise his voice or anything. He just says, you know what, Billy. That's great that you think this, this, and this, but this is what I think, and I'm in control. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, this is what you're going to play for, and uh, and that was it. And you know what? When I finally realized that he was in control and wasn't budging, then <laughs> then I signed. And and Glenn right. and Glenn was the same way. And I learned uh, I learned tough lessons, you know. But I think they helped me today. Right. Uh, do you remember what date you were traded to the Edmonton Oilers? January 4th, 1998. Do you know how old Jared Spurgeon was that year? Was he, uh, was he three? <laughs> I think he was like eight or nine. Oh, okay. So, I, I didn't uh, even know what year he was born. Not I that had no young. idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, you know, one of the coolest things that I did when I wrote that Spurgeon story last week is he told me that he had this almost like outer body experience bill that, you know, you walk in his house with Dean Evison, you're carrying a wild bag that, he later finds out has his captaincy jersey in there and a book that Ross Bernstein uh, gave you. And um, he said that all of a sudden he's sitting there and he just had all this like like these memories of him rooting for you as a kid, you and Doug Waite. <laughs> but then the, the uh, uh, you know, the story that I know you know now that you didn't remember at the time, but uh, you had skipping him in, in line at getting the VO2 test when you were the Islanders captain. Yeah. I don't know if I skipped him. I think maybe he let me go. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Do you want do to that. tell that story? No, you know what? I forgot. I, I mean, I, I forgot yeah. about it. But Spurge told me that uh, you know we were we were testing, and I just there were a bunch of young a bunch of the young kids kind of waiting around, and 
I just went in to do my testing and told them, I said, don't go anywhere, boys. This won't take long. Um, <laughs> which I don't know if it was the best message for them, but, uh, <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was a fun, fun training camps. We were up in Moncton and, um, wow. yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty funny to hear the, the story from Spurge just because he just, I don't know. Like, I, I still feel like I'm, you know, 25 years old and, uh, uh I'm not, um, but, uh, to, to, to realize that, that, you know, Spurge was from Edmonton and, you know, you know, impressionable, you know, eight or nine years old when I was, you know, in, in, you know, in my, my, the prime of my career in Edmonton. So. Uh, it's pretty funny. What was it like? Like you've won two Stanley Cups as a manager, um, two obviously as a player. Um, the what's you know on the scale of like all the things you've already achieved as a manager or experience as a manager. What what was the experience like of actually handing somebody the captaincy and that type of because you know more than anybody because you were a captain. The honor that that is bestowed upon somebody. What was it like actually? driving to his house, handing him something that, you know, that this kid absolutely tri- cherished. Um, it, 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 it was a great experience. It was, it meant, you know what? I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I like you said, I, I was a captain. Um, I know the, uh, the meaning of it and I, I took it very seriously and I still do. And not everybody gets to do that. You know what? There are a lot of guys that play in the league, but there there are only a very select few who have been captains of their team, and it is a huge honor. And um, I knew that I was about to um, make one of our players and his family extremely, extremely happy, and and it just meant the world to me to be able to do that. And um, you know, Spurge is a, a, a great guy that, and he's got a, a beautiful family that. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're extremely invested in the Minnesota wild and, and, um, how things are run here, how things are, people are, are treated and, um, bringing a championship here. And, and, you know, I, I don't think we could have made a better choice. Um, one final question before I take a break on, uh, just going back to the whole, whole Caprice Fiala contract talk is it's you almost, do you need to resign them before you could almost count cap space to know, how then sort of proceed with what your next executing your next plan as a GM or, or do you have a pretty good sense of, all right, this is what they're going to cost. So if I need to go say acquire a center that this is what I could pay them. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we, we have a pretty good idea of what, of what they'll cost and we'll kind of earmark for that. But like I said, Hey, look, if we can make our team better and, and we'll have to figure stuff out a couple months from now, that's what we'll do. Right. Interesting. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Back here with Billy Guerin. Uh, final, uh, what, 15, 20 minutes of the show. And again, if you're not an athletic subscriber, now is the time to get in. Theathletic.com slash straight from the source. You can get in for $3.99 a month. Not only awesome stories. So many cool stories already early this uh, this hockey season, but great podcast. Joe Pavelski uh, of the Dallas Stars, uh, he joined Scott Burnside of Pierre LeBron on Two Man Advantage this week uh, about the Dallas Stars maybe uh, getting off the ground and actually starting to play some hockey games. Uh, the Athletics' Dom LeShizhin and ESPN's Greg Wyshynski and Emily Kaplan joined Craig Custance for this full 60 this week at The Athletic. And, of course, um, Billy Guerin joins me now. Uh, Billy, uh First funny Twitter question I love, but I don't know how much you're going to love it. But, uh, <laughs> hockey fan Dan, this is how this, this question's exactly how I think. Okay. He goes, uh, Billy, I know you still respect the Penguins and their organization, but now that you have an unprotected first round pick, are you hoping for a bad year from them? <laughs> no, you get into, you get yourself into trouble thinking like that. I, I think I, uh, there's karma. So you just, you know what? You just let it play out and see where it, see where it falls. 
But it is kind of funny, Billy. Like I remember when when the league made its decisions this offseason um, and, uh, you know, how to handle these these sort of draft picks and the return to play and everything. And I remember when Jim Rutherford made the decision to keep their first last year and give you the first this upcoming year. I know Wild fans were like up in arms over it. And I actually thought I'm like, if I were Billy, I'd want it a non-lottery protected first round pick and just, you know, let's see where the Penguins finish up. Um, I mean, is that a fair at least assessment? Is that you'd rather have that than take last year's pick at whatever draft pick they were at 15, I think it was? Yeah, yeah. You know what? That's one of those things that it's it's out of my control. That the deal that was struck is that they they would be able to pick. So, um, I mean, we could sit there and try to figure out what they're trying to do and, you know, oh, what would we do if we're sitting in their seat? Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about things like that. But in the end, yeah, you can't worry about it. They, you know, Jim, Jim's got to decide what's best for his team. And, and then we'll, we'll, we'll just go from there. So it, we were going to, we were going to get a first round pick either way. And, um, you know, we're no problems with it being uh, this coming year. Right. And if anything, it might give you an extra, you either have two first round picks or it gives you an extra chip to play with if you ever want to make moves. Um, Billy, uh, um, here's a great question. Uh, is There really is a fine line between getting help where the team needs help now, like the center position, but also keeping what looks like a bright future intact. Where do you kind of see that line and how do you want to navigate it? This is a question from Noah. Uh, can you re- Can you read it again? So ba- basically what he's saying is like, say you have a long-term plan. Um, but all of a sudden you recognize this year that maybe, hey, I need to acquire a center because this team could go on a little run here. You need that, you know, you see a hole. You know, do you alter that plan? Like, where is the fine line? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends. Uh, I, I think the most important thing in a situation like that is, you know what, let's let's be realistic. You know what, if we're going to go on a run, oh, okay, how big of a run do you think we'll go on? Is it worth breaking away from your plan and sacrificing everything that you've kind of set up for. Um, you know, because we, we've situated ourselves, we feel like we're in a good spot, you know, with, with having drafted Rossi at nine this year, having two first round picks, having Boldy, um, you know, we, we've got some, you know, having, you know, Adam Beckman, having a Kalen Addison, we've got some good young players and we've got more picks coming. So, this is part of part of our plan of of you know kind of building on the fly and not tearing it down and so you know is, is the player signed is he not signed is he a rental how much do we want to give up like it, it, it all those things are going to have to be taken into account and and you know will it be worth it or not I don't know. By the way, you just made, reminded me of something in the Nuke Bukestead trade. Uh, I think it was a conditional seventh. Have, have those conditions essentially been prorated for this season? Like, I think it was something like thirty-five points. Yeah, they have, but seventy games. They okay. have, but I, I don't. I can't remember right now. <laughs> I bet, yeah, it's a seventh round pick. It's not like you need I'll, to I'll have worry to go about back it every second. Yeah, um, you'll be happy to. Give up the seventh if you get the first uh, in a lottery pick. Right, uh, that's just me talking. Um, let me ask you about expansion. You made the decision uh, recently to uh, to extend the contract to Marcus Foligno, which us beat writers thank you uh, because yeah. he is an absolute gem to deal with. <laughs> yeah, great quote and all that stuff. Um, the one thing that you did say on the conference call the other day is that you didn't sign him to lose him. Um, could you say what you meant by that? I mean, you know, do you feel like you have a sense of, of how you'll navigate that? Uh, could it mean an eventual trade? Could it mean going to one of the players and asking them at least for the purposes of expansion to waive their no move? Yeah. Uh, do, do, I guess, do you know what that means? I, I Honestly, Mike, it means exactly what I said. I mean, we, we didn't sign him to, to, to lose him. So, you know, we're going to, we want to keep him in Minnesota for a long time. And, um, you know, I, it's, it's tough to kind of speculate on, on the situations because we don't know what changes will be made before then. Um, mm-hmm. But we really, we love Marcus. I mean, he is, you know what, he's a, a he's a great guy. Um, he, he's an impactful player, uh, you know, positive impact player on our team. And um, he's got great leadership qualities that, that he brings every single day in one way or another. And, and he's a guy that we want to, we want to keep around. 
Uh, Andrew asks, uh, how does the trade market look early in the season? Hot, cold, any chatter? You talked a little bit about it, but it's pretty quiet right now. Yeah, it's pretty quiet right now. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, my phone's not burning up by any stretch. Um, so it, it's, uh, you know, it comes and goes. Except when they ask for Caprice off, I bet. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's, when, that's when it goes cold. <laughs> Um, Davis asks, uh, this is a good question for, for no longer a first year GM, but, uh, but how do you balance making close relationships with the roster yet stay far enough away to make difficult decisions like you did this off season? I, I remember seeing you in Ashley Vale, uh, you know, a year and a half, uh, you were ago, you were basically in your first month as GM and seeing how, how you were getting to know all these players. Uh, and, and I was thinking like, Oh, I wonder like how that will eventually affect a first year GM. If he's got to move them. Well, you kind of showed this off season that doesn't really <laughs> affect you. Um, but how, how do you, I mean, is that tough when you, when you really do learn these people, their families, all that stuff. And yet you have to, you know, make a long-term decision for the future of the franchise and for the good of the franchise. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. They're all good guys. And like, you know, I, I, you know what? The one thing about me, and 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 I, I, I've had to, I guess, come to grips with this. Is just, you know what? I got to be who I am, and I, I mm-hmm. like being around people. I like, you know, knowing these guys. I like, uh, you know, knowing their their families and things like that. And so when you have to kind of pull the trigger on a trade, yeah, you, I, I, and nobody knows better than me. Like I understand what kind of upheaval is happening in their family. I know it. Like. And most of it falls on the wife and, and it really does because you know what, Hey, look, we get traded, we go, we're off to the new city. We got 20 new buddies and we're, we just start playing. It's what's left behind is the real work. Um, so I, I, I understand what, what's, what's happening in that household, but, um, I also know that they'll be okay on the other side. Um, when all the dust is settled. And, um, and, and, and I have to, I have to, you know, conduct businesses as, as always. So, um, yeah, I mean, you never really want to make that call, but you do it. You actually, uh, didn't you tell me that you recently moved out out, uh, from downtown Minneapolis out West? And didn't you say that you learned that firsthand when you watch Kara, just like Kara basically like, look, let me handle this. Oh yeah. There was something, uh, I forget what. I don't know. The, the movers put something somewhere and I was looking for it. And I, I was like, no, it's gotta be here. And she's like, she's she like, looked at me. She's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. She's like, how many times have you done this? And I'm like, well, uh, uh, and she's like, look at, I know what I'm doing. I've seen this before. It's going to be either here, here, or here. And it was in like the first place she told me. And I was just like, all right, you know what? you know what you're doing. I'll just shut up and you tell me what to do. And it worked better that way. Yeah. I was talking to Danielle Spurgeon um, about this the other day. She was saying that one of the biggest things that she's concerned about this season is that all these new players and their wives were in the middle of a pandemic. They really can't go to games that, that she's got to start coming up with unique ways to make them feel included. Um, you know, that's something you've got to appreciate is how hard this is on the, you know, the Talbots, the Beninos, the Johansons to come here and we're in the middle of a pandemic. They've, you know, you know, two of those players only have one year left on their deal. They might not even meet people. Yeah. And that's, yeah, it's definitely difficult. Um, you know what, uh, but again, in in naming Spurge, the captain, you know, it's, it's a package deal. And Danielle is a, uh, she's a sharp. Um, very smart, um, you know, very, very good personality, like really warm person. Um, pretty confident she'll figure something out and, and she's already, she's already on stuff like that. So we're, we're, we're really happy about it. And my, like Kara loves her and she just says, you know, she's just all in on this and she'll make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, that feeling's mutual. Uh, Danny was going on and on to me about Kara. So yeah. oh, that's, that's good. pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, final couple minutes uh, with Billy Guerin. Uh, Billy, I'll just go through a couple more Twitter questions. Um, Connor asks, um, obviously the GM circle is pretty small and people are, aren't one to share their tricks, but who are your biggest mentors? I mean, uh, you've talked to me before about 
your um, respect level for guys like Jimmy Rutherford and, and Lou Lamarillo, anybody else that you've gotten tight with on the circuit, so to speak? Yeah. You know, like, like Jim, Jim, somebody I'm, I'm very close to, um, you know, uh, uh, um, obviously Lou, Lou Lamarillo is somebody that, uh, you know, that, that I've learned a lot from and, and have the utmost respect. Um, you know, the guy who just hired Randy Sexton, um, Randy's, you yeah. know, two-time GM and, he, he's he's taught me so much uh you know in 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 the game and and you know when i had an opportunity to bring him on uh with with me as a senior advisor i i, I didn't hesitate so um but there are there are a lot of guys I, I learned from all these guys and they're all you know they're they're all willing to to share and um you know i like talking to the you know, I like talking to the young guys and I like talking to the, the guys that have been around. Like David Poyle is always fun to talk to. And, you know, mm-hmm. Doug Armstrong, who was my GM in Dallas, is is great to talk to. He's given me some great advice. And I, I, I think you can learn something from everybody. And I, I, I'm i I'm working hard at trying to have good relationships with everybody. And I, I just think it's it's if you have a good relationship with somebody, it's easier to make a deal. And I think the one of the best pieces of advice was was from Jim, and you know, it's just to try to make a fair trade, make it where it works for both right. teams. And he goes that way, you'll always have a trade partner out there. And um, I, I just thought that that was great advice. And um, yeah, but I, I enjoy talking to all the guys. They're they're it's a good group. Your, your buddies at Bergevin, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Burge is uh, he's 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 always he's, a beauty. he's always fun to talk to, and you, sometimes you have to, you know, he he uh, he's always got a good joke, um, and uh, he well, he he, he yeah he sits to like at the meetings he sits to my right and Rob Blake sits to my left and Blakey's one of the nicest guys you could ever meet and then you know and then I have Burge on my other side and. He's always up to something. It's like the angel on one side and the devil on the other. It's pretty funny, but there, it's Burge is always fun to be around. I, I, I love the guy. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. A couple more questions. Uh, the dog father uh, this is a good one. Uh, if Billy could bring in one center that you used to play with, who would it be? Like, who's the? I mean, you've played with Crosby. You've played with Wade. You've played with so many yeah. good centers in your career. Yeah, would, you could well, put one uh, in the middle of the wild top line. Who would I'd be? put Crosby. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that was a stupid question. It was not a stupid question. It was a good question. Not, not from him. From me, just saying who would have. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but you know, any other centers that you absolutely like? Wait was oh, Dougie was, Waits the best. Like you and him uh, were. Yeah, electric. we. You know what? Yeah. Dougie and I are just we we became such great friends over the years. And the one thing I loved about Dougie was that he's he was a, a skill guy, a playmaker, um, but. I, I don't know if people remember this about him. Like Dougie was tough too. And like, I just, I always knew like, you know, we're going into these tough games in Calgary or, or Vancouver or whatever. And, and, you know, shit happened back then. It was, it, they were tough games. I always knew like Dougie was going to, you know, jump in, jump in there with me. Like you were never, you were never out there alone. And he's just that type of guy and um, great teammate like just a great teammate, like uh, the ultimate teammate. I would, I would, I mean, I love playing with him. A uh, couple more hockey questions. And then I got a couple fun ones from uh, fans as well. Um, uh, let me ask you about some of these prospects that you have coming. Like Matt Boldy is the one that obviously he's kind of the new, the new, the new big thing amongst wild fans after getting to watch him at world juniors and seeing how good he was. Um, he got off to a slow start at the beginning of his freshman year, was awesome at the end of last year, and then he's just picked it up, continued it this year for a really good uh, BC team. Uh, does that change your projection, not projection, but your sort of uh, path that you want to take with him? Like, could we conceivably see him after his sophomore year or signed to an entry-level contract? Uh, you know, it all depends on how uh, how the second half goes for him. Um you know the the progression that he's making is 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 good it's it's exactly what we want you know what even though you struggle your the first part of your freshman year you know what it's the way you end the year and he ended on a high note he picked up where he left off you know what he progressed and he had a great world junior you know what let's let's see how he does the second half and then we'll you know and then we'll 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 keep talking about it 
Um, how about Kalen Addison? You, you obviously, you could have put him on the taxi squad, but I assume that he's in Iowa because you really want him playing. Yeah, yeah. And we, we did debate putting Kalen on the taxi squad just to get the experience of being around the NHL guys. But when it comes down to it, we just, you know, we just felt like right now he, he'd get more out of being, um, you know, in Iowa with Timmy Army. Um, you know, he, he can he can be with John Odgers every single day, you know, lifting, training, um, getting getting stronger, getting faster and just putting that time in. And then when the games start down there, he can just, you know, continue to play, uh, play big minutes. But by the way, the taxi squad just acts as Iowa, right? You don't, it doesn't need to be an injury or, or, or illness for you to say, hey, you know what? We really would like a Luke Johnson in the lineup tonight. You could actually yeah. call him up, yeah. so to speak, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Hovenoff, um, you know, he's in the he's starting to score. He's not in the KHL. He's in their sort of junior league. Do you, do you see him as somebody that, um, that uh, you know, has a future in this game? I do. I do. Uh, he's extremely smart and skilled. Um, I, I, I'm not worried that he's not in the KHL. I mean, the KHL is a good league and, um, you know, he's, he's still a young kid. I, I'm just glad that he's playing this year and, and he's, he's getting a lot of ice time and starting to produce and things like that. So, and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on direct TV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on direct TV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Direct TV has the most MLB games. Visit directtv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Uh, I, I think that's the most important thing. Uh, two more players I wanted to ask you about was uh, was uh, Brennan Manel. Obviously, there was uh, he decided to go to the KHL rather than resign. Um, you, you know, I, I've been reading a lot about all this like unrest that's going on in Minsk right now. I mean, is there a chance before the before that before that February mid February deadline that you guys might try to bring him back and sign him, or do you think he's definitely staying for the? For the for the year, there. I, I don't know. I have not. Uh, I haven't talked to his representation in a long time. Um, you know, that was a decision that, that that he made for you know for for good reason in in his mind. And um, you know, we're supportive. Like you know, we never want to see a guy kind of jump ship and, and go over there. But you know, we still own his rights. And uh, you know, if he wants to come back to North America and try to make it in the NHL, it's going to be through Minnesota. So. Uh, we're glad that he's playing well and having an impact over there. We just, you know, want him to be safe. And if he decides to come back, then then we'll talk about it. It, it did seem like that was probably not the, you know, I don't want to say the right decision on his standpoint, but maybe a short-sighted one where it's like, you know, you just got to put in your time. He was a guy that you actually gave his, you know, NHL debut to last year. Uh, you know, do you, will that, sort of be held against him or you still look at him as a quality asset? No, I won't hold things like that against players. All these, all these guys are trying to do is, is make it. And um, you know what? Sometimes you get frustrated. Sometimes you jump the gun, but that's just because you care and because you want to, you, you want to make it. So whatever decision was made, it's not personal. Um, he, he's just trying to do what's best for him. So um, yeah, if, uh, if he wants to come back, then we'll we'll for sure talk about. It. He's a good player. Uh, last hockey question: uh, uh, Your goaltending uh, down in Iowa. What is the plan there? Do you, do you see Hunter Jones coming in as the as the number one, or could, will it be a battle between Barabo and Jones? Yeah, we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, we want them both playing a lot of games. You know, uh, that's for sure. I I, I think um, you know it was tough because Jones he had a little groin groin tweak. Uh, in, in training camp and, and couldn't skate the last few days and, and Barabo looked really good. And, um, you know, we, we just got to see how it shakes out, whether it's, uh, 
it, it could end up being a 50 50 split we don't know right um, by the way i'm doing a big hunter jones uh story next week on his uh music career i don't know if you know he's a big musician so uh I did not know that. Yeah, you could go on uh, YouTube, uh, search Hunter Jones, uh, Hunter Jones uh, music, and you'll find it. All right, I will. One, one night when you're bored. Uh, last two questions, uh, sort of fun ones on a lighter side. Uh, Philip asks, um, after 18 months in Minneapolis, any favorite food spots? Again, you haven't gotten to really enjoy the state of hockey uh, just because of this pandemic, but uh, what's, what's your favorite spots, if you're willing to say? Uh, you know what? There's... There's so many good spots. Um, you know, I, you and I your love, wife are foodies, right? Yeah, we love going out to dinner and just, you know what, it, it's it's awesome. I mean, um, love J.D. Hoyt's. Yep. I love J.D. Hoyt's. I love going for the Buddy Bowls. Pat Monahue is the... Uh... the he, yeah, he's a great guy. Um, uh, good martinis there, too. It's it, and the, I mean I I love getting a a buddy bowl loaded up and then like one pork chop, um, <laughs> that's a great spot. Um, oh man, this is a great question. I, I these are ones like I'm I'm getting stumped now, but there's there's so many good ones. Um, you know, Spoon and Stable, Spoon and Stable is a place I love. I mean, that's Gavin Kaysen's place, and you know they do all our cooking and um, uh. You know, God, you know what? Uh, the burgers at uh, Parlor, those are really good. Oh yeah, those are those are for real. Um, honestly, one of the best restaurants in town is is our locker room. Our chefs are yeah. the best. <laughs> <laughs> we eat better we eat better than than a lot of people. But you know what? That's one thing like uh, about Minneapolis. They Minneapolis St. Paul. There's so many great places. And uh, you know what? We eat at this place quite a bit in St. Paul called the Pillbox. Um, it's, yeah, it's new. It's right right at Tria. Uh, they've got an awesome Juicy Lucy. Um, and then there's a, another place that we eat at is uh, the Afro Deli. Okay. And we go there for lunch quite a bit. And they have amazing, um, like, Mediterranean-style food and uh yeah, it, there, there's so many good spots. That's awesome. Uh, last question. State of Hoppy uh, wants to know, what's your favorite Minnesota beer? As you can tell, he's a beer guy. Ooh, anything with a label on it. <laughs> <laughs> again, again, uh, there, oh, geez, how do, how do I choose? There's so many, uh, there's so many like local, like local brewery, breweries yeah. that, um, it's tough to it's it's tough to name one. I mean, Surly's are really good. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones, but yeah, honestly, so so I you like hop. So you like hoppy beer? Yeah, I I I, I like to be honest with you. I I, I like it all. I, I like yeah. dark <laughs> beers, light beers, pilsners, lagers, IPAs. Yeah. But yeah, if you're if you're going real hoppy, it's it's you know there's there's probably you have a couple of those before dinner and then, you know, you s- switch to wine or martini or something. Cause you, the, the hoppy ones fill you up. Like, uh, that sounds so old, but they, <laughs> but they do. Yeah. I, I've, I've pretty much quit beer. Wasn't, wasn't very good for my weight. Um, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing dry. I'm doing dry January. Oh, nice. And I, I honestly, I've dropped a ton of weight and I have yeah. never felt, I haven't felt this good in, in a long time. I'm, well, it's funny you haven't seen me in a while. I've I've dropped a bunch too, and I good hope for you. T- next time, yeah, hope, hopefully by the next time I see you, I haven't gained it all back. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I can be a yo-yo. But uh, yeah, I've dropped a ton since I last saw you. So, oh, that's uh, good. I'm looking yeah, forward yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you just lastly. I mean, this has got to be the weirdest road trip for you. I mean, there's not nothing. You know, there's very few more fun stops than going to L.A. and L.A. Live and going to Anaheim and going out to Newport Beach or something like that. Um, yet you were pretty much on lockdown in L.A. You have a little more freedom in Anaheim. Uh, like, what can yeah. what can you guys do out there? Not much. Uh, just because yeah. uh, you know what the you know the 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 pro the NHL protocols that we're following. Um, you know, like in LA, it was shut tight. Like it's a ghost town out here. You can see people eating on patios and things like that. 
Um, but we're not, we're not doing that. We're, we're eating in our hotels, we're eating in our rooms. Um, you know, we, we go and we go and get our food and bring it back to our room and, and eat there. Um, it's, it's really a different trip. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know what, it's, it's one great thing about, you know, being the national hockey league is, is traveling around and, you know, when you, when you go out to dinners with your coaching staff or your teammates or whatever, it's really when you get to know the guys and, you know, we're, we're missing that a bit right now. And, um, you know, uh, one of my favorite places in, in LA is Mastro's and, yeah, I, love and it. I, I always look forward to going there yeah. and, um, you know, but, uh, we'll, they're not going out of business. So we'll, we'll, yeah. uh, well, hopefully, and well, how, we'll, ca- we'll know, catch them next time. Yeah, how, It's funny you said that because my last meal on the road last season was in uh, uh, was it Coast, what's, it, uh, what's that, Costa Mesa there? Costa Mesa, um, at yeah. At the Mastros. Yeah, and I walked in there it's with the Anthony LaPanta, and I saw I looked left, and there you were entertaining the coaching staff. Who knew that would be our last meal? <laughs> that would be the last meal of last season. Who knew? Uh, it's um, unbelievable. Oh, I could go yeah. for that right now. Yeah, no, exactly. There's nothing. I, I, uh, I was in Vegas in uh, November or October, and I went to Masters there. It's it's just phenomenal. So, yeah, it's uh, great. It's uh, you know what though, though that's some of the like yeah, just e- even like through my playing days, you always just tried to try to 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 hit the good spots. And you know what, when when all these things started coming out online, like. You know, like for lunch, I'd I'd be like, okay, where where did where did Andrew Zimmern go here, or where did Guy you know Guy Fieri go here, or, you know, and I I'd do a bunch of those a bunch of those things, and then for dinner you try to hit the new hot spots or whatever, and it's just it's fun, it's fun, and yeah. you know you gotta you gotta get off the get off the beaten path every once in a while and try local places and 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 you know switch it up. I can't wait till life's back to normal. It's been bizarre covering these games from home, but as I told you last week, I, I was it was just I couldn't justify going out to Cali where you can't even cover practices and skates and leave the hotel. So I'll go to Denver. Yeah, and yeah. I'd wait it out. Uh, yeah, exactly. But uh, can't wait till life's back to normal, Billy. As always, I really appreciate it. You're, uh, I think, returning champion. I've <laughs> been on like five or six of these podcasts now, but uh, you know, I think it's always uh, awesome for the fans to hear from you and, and get a little sense of of what you're thinking. And uh, so, so what were you thinking? Like by next week, have a number one center here? Oh, for sure. Yeah, we'll just you know pick one out of thin air. But no, yeah. thanks for having me on, Mike. I always like coming on, and uh, I, I hope our our fans enjoy it. I I, I try to be as as, as open as I can be without giving away all the secrets. So um, yeah. I, hope, I hope I hope everybody enjoys it. Yep. Thanks, Billy. And uh, again, check out our comment section for each podcast episode of The Athletic app and rate and subscribe to Straight From The Source on Apple. If you aren't already a subscriber, go to theathletic.com slash straight from the source and receive a subscription for just $3.99 per month. Thanks, Billy. Enjoy your day out in uh, Anaheim, not LA. Thanks a lot, Mike. We'll talk to you soon. 